to Starshine. <laughs> the astrology podcast from Marie. And we're recording this on the same day that we're recording episode 17. I don't know how to number the Starshine episodes. I don't know either. Yeah. Just goes with episode 17. <laughs> Starshine segment. It's July 13th, 2021 today. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I wanted to do is um, to add a few corrections to our episode 14, which was the uh, launch episode for the Starshine Planner. And I was re-listening to that because I was looking for something that I I think I threw away my written notes on the, and I was looking <laughs> to oh, see no. what I had said. <laughs> I couldn't remember what I had said. I was like, I think that's important. This happens as well. You have information and then it just poof, it flies away. Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> anyway, I noticed that I had made a few statements that were either incorrect or not well thought out. So the first one was that I said that the exact alignment of retrograde Mercury conjunct the sun, which is the start of a Mercury cycle. Every time that happens, uh, Mercury retrogrades conjunct the sun, uh, it begins a Mercury cycle. I had said that it had happened just before the solar eclipse on June 10th, right? 10th. Um, however, it was about a half day after the eclipse, not mm-hmm. before. Um, and so just wanted to correct that. I also said that like a dingbat, I said that it was the, that, uh, it was dingbat. I love <laughs> like your comment, your, what was the other word? Scuttlebutt. Oh, scuttlebutt and dingbat. Those need to go on my, like to use more frequently. Um, I'm dating myself. No, I like it. Dating, these are Isn't old. It, I think it is a little old. Okay. Old fashioned, maybe. Certainly for the iGen. We're bringing them back. We're bringing them back. Anyway, I said that Mercury was the only planet I had found that had two days when it was stationed in between when it mm. changed direction, going either from retrograde to direct or direct to retrograde. That is not true. I just had changed a setting in my astrology software. And so it was showing me the S for like two whole days, which is common Mm. when you're switching direction. I just hadn't ever seen the S. (laughs) Yeah. And I just hadn't ever noticed the fact that technically there is a point when it actually turns retrograde, but that most plant like Neptune right now is just hanging out at the same place and degrees Pisces. Chiron. Yeah. 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 Chiron's hanging yeah. out right on my Venus. Right. Right on your Venus. Literally, <laughs> literally to the second. I had the image of it squatting down. <laughs> is it taking a poop or what? Yeah, something is happening. <laughs> something like that. But, in, but anyway, that is a common thing. And I just I'd never really paid attention to that. Mm. So that does not mean that it is 
uh, insignificant, that period of, you know, when the planet is stationed and just not moving or not appearing to move. It's of course always moving in actual reality. Now is that, I might be wrong. So correct me if I'm wrong. Is that called the storm? Is that the period where it's called the storm? When it's like, st- I, I have never heard of it called that. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of it as like a still point. Mm-hmm. And actually what Richard Branson did with his Virgin Galactic flight, when they had, they, you know, they went up into the upper atmosphere and then they came back down. Like the point when they were at the apogee, perigee, at the, at the top of the arc, the top. <laughs> when they were experienced weightlessness. Yeah. That's the equivalent of the still point in, in planetary apparent motion, retrograde and direct motion switching. If they're not actually moving backwards, just to clarify, they just appear to move backwards or appear to move forwards from our perspective. Just like if you're overtaking and passing a car mm-hmm. on the highway and suddenly it appears to be moving backwards because you're moving faster mm-hmm. than it. That's yeah. all it is. But that still point when it's changing, you know, from direct or retrograde to direct, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think of that as. I don't really know. It's like a time out of time. You know, you can appear experience weightlessness, right? Um, and as Jeff Bezos so curmudgeonly pointed out, <laughs> the Virgin Galactic flight didn't actually leave the gravitational field of Earth. They just had that a long extended period of weightlessness as they were going in that arc. Mm. It wasn't that long. It was a, like a few minutes. I watched it. I was like, well, that was exciting because they were able to like land, like, you know, the way that the, the spacecraft is sort of like an airplane, but it's got these wings that switch directions so that then it can just reenter atmosphere and not without all the drama Mm. of burning up or having to, you know, become a capsule with a parachute. It just like landed. It was very Mm -hmm. cool. The landing, but Anyway, I have no other insight into the still point other than that, like, you know, the moment of weightlessness or like a time out of time, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe sort of like a timeless moment, possibly. Anyway, Uh, I don't know what this, what you were talking about. I would be curious. The storm? Yeah. I, that's, I think that's just referring to when it stations, when it seems like it's still like what you're, the, what you're saying, like the time out of time, like mm. weightless suspension mm-hmm. when it like, cause it just stations over the one spot mm-hmm. and it's, oh, like the eye of the storm. Yeah. That I've heard that referred to okay. as the storm when it any any planet really but like Mm -hmm. when it appears to be stationed when it's going retrograde and then coming back direct Mm -hmm. when it's like just churning over the one spot I think that's referred to as the storm okay 
Well, I will, I will look into that. Yes. Um, also, in the astro astrological traditions around Mercury, to my knowledge, no one has made any special note of that phase. It's just a couple days. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even shamanic astrology, which I feel like, and this is my point three, I was just going to acknowledge I made this statement during that episode that like no one has like really tracked the mercury cycle and that's unfair. That's mm. unfair. People have absolutely tracked the mercury cycle. I just haven't found anywhere where they've really broken it down to all these distinct phases of the cycle with in a way that was satisfying to me. Mm. The interpretations there are um, even in shamanic astrology, like I haven't now, of course, I haven't been deeply involved for quite a few years, so maybe things have changed. Mm -hmm. But like, what is the meaning of Mercury at the still point? Right. You know, what yeah. does that mean? Yeah. Um, you know, if you're born with that natally. I know, that's very interesting. Really, yeah. You want to find someone that has that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then uh the last thing and I, and I, and so so that's that's really my final correction that i wanted to make is just to acknowledge mm -hmm. that yes like people have tracked the mercury cycles i just am, i feel like there's holes and gaps in the teachings and the traditions around it mm -hmm. and i think that it's not a coincidence i feel like it's synchronistic that this I feel like information about the Mercury cycles are emerging this year. And the fact that it all kind of started with that retrograde Mercury conjunct the sun within hours of the solar eclipse in Gemini, you know, so that means not only is Mercury and the sun and everything and the moon near the North node, mm -hmm. But, you know, it was all happening in Gemini. I don't know. I just feel like there was like a portent and moment about Mercury. Yeah. yeah, I definitely feel that. And, you know, the, my, you know, like, so my experience of the, the really powerful, like sort of hermetic, you know, phase of Mercury during that little window where, you know, if I wanted to know something about like, sort of like how the universe works all i had to do was sort of lean my attention in and it would just come to me mm -hmm. like that was sort of intoxicating yeah <laughs> i don't have that all the time like i have to glean it in other ways you know mm -hmm. and so anyway that kind of leads into something that i really want to keep holding open the space for which is the idea of speculating in mm -hmm. astrology as opposed to trying to to say like oh i have all the answers and i know everything i'm an authority and if i say it it's because it's true you know and it's kind of like part of this whole sort of guru fad that has been going on for a decade or two a couple of decades at least maybe since even the oh, 90s <laughs> Yeah, yeah, where it's like everyone's trying to be the next, you know, it used to be we all wanted to be on Oprah and do something with Bono. 
do a big convict concert. That's where everyone in the new age community that I knew they aspire to, and they wanted to do something with Greg Braden and who I think is a flake and, mm. you know, with all these like, and Deepak Chopra, and, you know, like all the names, right? You want to be like Oprah and Chopra. <laughs> like get on there with them. Gotta be a guru, you know, guruitis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, when I was talking with Daniel Jamario, my teacher mm-hmm. um, from the founder of shamanic astrology a couple of weeks ago, that was one comment that he made. It was kind of a passing comment, but you know, it's, it's true. It's like, um, so for him, he started back in the seventies when I was just a kid. Um, but I guess back then people, astrologers in the community, they were much more comfortable with speculating. And, you know, it's like, you're not like coming at it as a complete novice and going, well, what is Mer- what does Mercury and Gemini mean? You know, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're not like still in the learning phase as, a, as, when they're speculating, but they are kind of like posing open questions and, and hanging out with a question, you know, and waiting to see, you know, like, well, yeah. how does this play out? You know, I'm thinking that it's going to be along these lines, but let's see what happens, you know, because it's not just that, you know, well, this is what you do if you don't really know your shit. It's the, the idea that knowledge is always emerging. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because of the procession of the equinoxes, the meanings of the astrological archetypes is slowly evolving over time. It's always changing through time. So what Gemini meant 2000 years ago is very different than what it means now. And if you're going to like stay really awake to those, that evolution and change, you're going to be listening. You're going to be observing. You're going to be in inquiry. You're going to be open. You're not going to be like assuming like, oh, I know all of that. And I'm the authority. And it's this, 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 and this. Right. And, you know, I, I, I ran up against this again today where I have, I've, started a mercury cycle tracking for 2021 to 2022 just to sort of mark off the dates and stuff and then I answered a question on Quora and I dropped a link to it and then I was like oh I'm not even done with this page yet I don't even like have the names for each of the different phases Mm -hmm. of mercury so I deleted it off of Quora and the guy who posted the question was like, he, he direct messaged me. He's like, why did you delete that? I thought it was intriguing. And I was like, oh, because the page wasn't finished yet. And then I realized, oh, I did the same thing. Like I was afraid of like presenting like knowledge and process, mm. you know? And so I think it takes a little bit of courage to sort of be like, okay, you know, there, I feel like there is information that is emerging. Like I could just regurgitate what I've learned and just say, oh, this is this, this is this, and this is this, but I'm really wanting to like stay open Mm -hmm. and be in inquiry since I seem to be somehow plugged into the mercury cycle right now. Yeah. That's so I forced, I went back and I restored it and I, I answered him. I was like, okay, here. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) but it's like, you know, it's, again, it's that, like the anxiety of living in, in uncertainty and Mm -hmm. in not knowing. 
which I yeah. think is a good segue to the Mars Venus cycle, which we've um, both been kind of like tracking along with and kind of like, ah, this is not as fun as we were hoping. Out. It took me out today. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Yeah. 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 Like I just need to find like a pine forest with like a hot, like spring, like a natural hot spring in the middle of the forest. And I need some snacks and some like nice music. And I need some, I need to just be left there for several days. Oh. That is how I'm <laughs> feeling currently after the last, last night's like conjunction and so you got to see the conjunction of Mars and Venus mm -hmm. in the evening sky. So the exact conjunction was this morning. This is mm -hmm. July 13th, yeah. but the most visible time to see it was last yesterday evening. Mm -hmm. And we went out to look at it and I could not see Mars and Venus because the clouds, oh. I saw Venus briefly. Yeah. So I wish I'd have them. binoculars. Oh. I mean, I saw something. You know, I saw a bright star and then the moon and it was gorgeous. I couldn't di differentiate like two planets, mm. you know, I think they were, and on my, I have that night sky app, like they're pretty much overlapping. It looks like, they were, yeah. yeah, like that's what conjunction means, right? <laughs> Well, this is an interesting but, fact about uh, astrological okay. conjunction is that there it's called a conjunction if it's um it's vertically aligned along mm -hmm. the ecliptic. Okay. But it can be um it can have a latitude that is different mm -hmm. so that it, so that like if the ecliptic say the ecliptic goes sorry at an angle like this. Well, not at an angle like this. It actually usually goes in a hoop <laughs> across the sky, but so they will, they'll be aligned with each other. If you were to draw a perpendicular line through the ecliptic, they'll be aligned with each other that way, but they might be above and below each other because mm. they're not exactly on the ecliptic. Mm -hmm. Like most planets are not exactly on the ecliptic. Mm -hmm. The only thing that is always exactly on the ecliptic from our point of view is the sun. But, you know, the moon can be quite far above yeah. or below the ecliptic because its angle is at a tilt. Mm -hmm. That's what causes the nodes. Um, and I think that Mars and Venus are a little like Mars was a little above Venus, I believe. I think so. But I think they were I took a screenshot of my yeah I don't know if you can see this but oh wow okay yeah. that is really there's close. Mars and then I think Venus is behind it like a tiny bit lower mm -hmm. so I'm just looking at the screenshot of my what app is but, it? But in actuality, in actuality, that, that's actually wrong because Mars is farther away from us than Venus is. So you think Venus was the front one? 
Yeah, it has okay. to be because Venus, Venus um, is in an interior orbit to us and Mars right now, as it's preparing to go behind the sun mm. is on the other side of the solar system from us in its orbit. Oh, it's very wow. far away. Whereas Venus is um, actually, um, it, it was when it was conjunct the sun behind the sun, mm. um, and now as it's rising in the evening, it's actually eventually going to come and swing around to be between us and the sun. Mm. So it's actually getting closer to us. Mm -hmm. It's really bright right now. I mean, yeah, it's very yeah. bright. It's it the brightest thing bright. in the sky besides the moon. Yeah. Well, Jupiter's pretty bright too. Jupiter's preparing to go into its solar opposition and that any planet opposite the sun is always in its brightest phase. Mm -hmm. Venus and Mercury never go into opposition with the sun because they're in an interior orbit. Um, anyway, Mars is really hard to see right now. I just couldn't see it. <laughs> I feel like it's another yep. metaphor. <laughs> Can't see Mars. Can't see Mars. He's weak. This is a weak Mars. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So um, I guess that that is a segue up to the Venus cycle and the Venus Mars cycle. Yeah, you sound really excited to talk about it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was excited until the conjunction came and I realized I wasn't going to get the what I hoped from the conjunction. Me neither. It was a big disappointment. It was. But I, you know, it's funny because I was writing this stuff speculatively about it, that, you know, Mars is very faint right now and that it's mm -hmm. going to be disappearing behind the sun soon. So even though Mars and Venus meet, you know, it's brief, it doesn't last. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I thought it was still going to turn out well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm wondering that yeah. too <laughs> fantasy self-delusion <laughs> um yeah so but maybe there was i mean it's a catalyst right yes the meeting point i would think is a catalyst yes and so although currently unpleasant ish and like disappointing ish we don't know like maybe the cattle maybe it's not about that thing like what I've come to maybe think is that maybe it's not about the thing I thought it was mm -hmm. about uh-huh or that I wanted it to be about right and instead it's about something that's like much different and will be revealed in time yeah, as you work with it, because like Venus, Venus is going to continue to rise in the evening sky and it's just going to be this prominent feature of the evening sky, mm. whereas Mars disappears. Yeah. And Mars. So Mars, when it's conjunct the sun is in the underworld, undergoing cathartic transformation. You know, the sword has to get melted down and reforged. So this is, that's transformation, right? right? Actually, that's a different kind of catalyst, catalytic. Mm -hmm. 
experience. <laughs> Analytic converter. Well, and that's hey. just what Venus was doing back in March, right? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. That wasn't pleasant either. That wasn't pleasant either. <laughs> and, and Mars is, so Mars is going to be, Mars spends a much longer period of time in the underworld when it does. It does it every two and mm -hmm. a half years. Two and a half? I think so. Okay. The two and a half year cycle. So it's, you know, three months three months and the exact alignment with the sun is ha is sometime in October and it's in Libra, mm. which is the archetype of, you know, partnership, but it's also the art. So for anyone who's going through um, a, a romantic external projection version of the Mars, Venus, you know, sacred masculine, sacred feminine dance, mm -hmm. what's at stake for the Mars part you know, which is how he does relationship. What's at stake for Mars is how he does relationship. And that is what is going to be under at the center of the transformational process for Mars this fall, you know, which it's all, even if it's an external relationship, it's always going to be internalized, right? Because you're always relating with the internal version of yourself of that part of yourself. Yeah. And so the, the Mars part is, you know, you can, you could say that's the inner masculine, the sacred masculine, but you could also call it like, if you're not having a romantic version of the dance, it's the part of you that takes action and has agency and is, you know, it's, you know, you're the, the, the part of your ident identity that is, you know, in motion and, um, taking action. Um, that is going to like its central um, transformation is actually in a counterpoint to the Venus one, which was in Aries. So Aries is about identity and actually um, Aries rules Mars. Mars is going through it in Libra and Venus is the ruler of Libra. And, you know, so it's all about like, um, partnership, but it's also about all kinds of collaboration, fairness and balance and equity. And as we talked about, um, last time, I think this notion of like radical inclusion, mm -hmm. you know, space for all places on the wheel. It's also the archetype of society, you know, um, graceful society. Um, and there is a, you know, like even for I love the woods and stuff, but actually the thing I came away from this last trip to North Carolina was I really like the comforts of civilization. <laughs> I got overwhelmed by mud and rain and it was a hard time to be down there this time. Yeah. And so notions of fairness and diplomacy and like how to hold space for everyone in a group setting. That's also very Libran. Mm. Um, Interesting. So the fact that there is a linear sequence to these things is, you know, there is a linear playing out of the experience, but also because we can see what, what's coming you know, it's sort of like the parts are contained in the whole. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, even now I'm feeling the echoes of that future event, you know, the sort of, that sort of Libra gestalt mm-hmm. if, as it were. Um, but you're going to also be surprised. That's the nature of the underworld process. Yeah. You know, it has to kind of like take you by surprise so that you can like have a re- you know, a really authentic you know, visceral experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, um, I was, I was thinking about, so, uh, shamanic astrology calls the, there's three different patterns to the Mars Venus saga. Mm-hmm. And this is the one where they they meet briefly in the evening sky, and then Mars drops into the underworld, and you know it's called the Rapunzel cycle. I I feel like that's not quite applicable this time around, um, and I go into detail in the planner about that. But um, I did realize that I I know this one. This is that one where like if you're having a romantic externalized version of this. It's like you, you, you meet someone and it like, it feels like really juicy and it's really sort of hot and romantic, but it doesn't last. And then when you look back, you realize, oh, it was never going to last. Right. That, that never had anything in it that was like enduring. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was just kind of like swept up in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I can look back in my life and look back at like various, like, men or boys, <laughs> you know, that, that was that, you know, I had that kind of experience with, and it's mm-hmm. like, the reason it surprised me this time was because I wasn't doing the romantic part. I was doing a creative project trying to figure oh, out yeah. what to do for my living now that I can't really work at a computer all day long. Mm-hmm. Is that progressed? Or it's just not, it's disappointing no. that it has not progressed. I have zero clarity. Mm-hmm. I have zero clarity. Okay. So my other uh, thing to report is that I've now talked to quite this many people, mm-hmm. at least, Ten. you know, two handfuls Yeah, who all have told me in one way or another that they March was a really rough time and that they've been going through this process ever since then. Mm-hmm. And it's, everyone has, it's been a little different for everyone. You know, some people had like a health crisis, like I did, but a different kind of health crisis, different kind of content, different kinds of conclusions drawn, but still you know, and for some people, it was more like emotional and psychological, and you know, dark night of the soul or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it was. Um, I think at least one person wasn't, it wasn't like a hardcore crisis, but they were several people, you know, were as business owners, we're looking at like, okay, we're coming out of lockdown. I've got to like decide, am I going to like commit to this whole new push into, you know, coming out of lockdown with my business? I got to get a bunch of things lined up. It's like all, you know, it's going to be hard. Do I do it or not? You know? Yeah. Those kinds of things. And then really feeling like the playing out of the plans 
sort of was following an arc where like May was when you climbed out of the pit. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and pretty much everyone was climbing out of the pit in May, mm -hmm. each in their own way. Um, and that was when Mar uh, Venus came out of the underworld. Mm -hmm. um, Venus made its first alignment with the crescent moon, visible alignment with the crescent moon in mid-May. Yeah. Um, so I found that interesting. And, and, you know, then there's, there have been a, a couple of romantic like versions where it's like, you know, somebody shows up like, mm. you know, so you sort of come out of the hard time and then someone shows up in May and they're like, Ooh, it's like so spicy and like exciting. <laughs> um, and then there's this kind of like, you know, like, are we going to, are we going to, and you know, I was, I kept looking at the fact that like, eh, Mars is going to go into the underworld. Mars is kind of faint, you know, it's probably not what you're hoping it's going to be, <laughs> but who knows? And it could be, right. I, I think that this is this, my, my constant reminder with astrology is you cannot predict with astrology. You can frame your experience. Yeah. You can create an archetypal lens through which to understand your experience and navigate it. You know, you can sort of orient yourself like in the midst of it, or you can look back at the past. It's very helpful, even if it's already passed, right? To take an archetypal lens and look back at an experience and go, oh, that was those were the archetypes going on and it like, it all clicks together. And it's, it's this, you know, important thing that human beings need. Um, that's called meaning making. Like yeah. we are meaning making creatures, like, so it, it can really help with that. Um, cool. so, but then, um, one of the people has had, um, a similar kind of career crisis as me. And I was actually able to give her it like, um, to hook her up with, uh, she said, I wish I could just take people hiking in the woods. And I was like, I have just the thing. <laughs> and it's that program at Kripalu that mm. my massage therapist, Shirley Ann is thinking about doing. And so this other friend of mine, she checked it out and she's like, it's all online. It's not that expensive. She's like, I really think I'm going to do it. And I was like, so excited for her because she's, she's an avid outdoor, like she loves hiking and she's, you know, she's, she's been doing it for years and years and years, like dedicated and lives in a really beautiful place. Mm. That's like a destination where people would want to come and have that kind of, you know, a guided experience into the woods, Yeah, you know, into nature. And um, anyway, so, so that is an example of someone who has had satisfaction <laughs> from the Mars awesome. Venus conjunction. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe, so then I think maybe the, the rest of the insight with that would be you're always going to refer back to your natal chart mm. and the other transits that you have going on at the same time yeah. as like, if you're, if you're being activated by something like the Venus cycle, 
Well, like for me, I, it, the, the conjunction of Venus and the sun in the underworld was within a degree of my North node. Mm-hmm. So it's my North node, that sense of like purpose and destiny in life that's being activated. And my North node is conjunct Chiron. And so, and Chiron is going to just be, is it's, you know, it's the sacred wound. <laughs> it's the thing that you can never really fix. Right. You have to achieve mastery in a different way to find peace with it, but you can't ever really fix it. So I'm like thinking, oh, great. So what this is showing me maybe is that there is no purpose, no grand thing for me to do. Uh, I don't have that. I'm going to always be looking for it. In fact, uh, I'd started a list of things I could do. It was really funny. <laughs> like I've started this, I've, I'm keeping this like growing list and you know, they're all ridiculous. None of them is ever going to happen. <laughs> you know, <sighs> you share any of them or not as too. God, it's just so annoying. <laughs> well, the latest one, the idea of doing a, creating a retreat space mm-hmm. at our, at our North Carolina mm-hmm. property, a some of the more sober heads involved have kind of like nixed it. They're like, you know, you have to get liability insurance. You know, what if something happens and people sue you? Like we have bears and wild boars right now up there. Mm-hmm. We didn't, we, we heard a bear while we were up there. Wow. And saw the place where the wild boar had been wallowing around in the mud. <laughs> And his little hoof prints. Oh my gosh. I know. I mean, those guys are a little dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and then on top of that, I had the worst trip. Like at the end when everyone, like the big group came, it rained like a Dickens, of course. Again? Again. It rained every day. It was constantly muddy. I couldn't get any of my clothes dry. There's no, like no way to... If the sun doesn't come out, you can't ever get dry. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just so, I felt so gross. I was like, ick. And I didn't have a bedroom anymore because we gave up our bedroom. (laughs) And the cat was being terrorized by the dog. And anyway, we took my cat. You brought the cat. (laughs) Wow. That That was bold. That was a bad move. (laughs) Yeah. That's a long card with a cat. Anyway, it just made me realize that there's a lot involved in creating a space for people. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of infrastructure to, to like have a controlled conditions in which Mm -hmm. they can have a really good time. Right. Right. (sighs) So that one's been nixed off the list. I'm like, great. I don't know what to do now. (laughs) (sighs) you know, and you've got, you've got a Chiron transit happening right now. You've natally got Chiron on the sun, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's going to be, it's going to put you in that zone. Yeah. And so that's true for anyone, anyone who's having a transit, you know, anyone who's following this planner, you're going to always need to refer back to your natal chart. Mm Mm-hmm. And see, you know, what is the natal configuration? Because that's really like, what is the intent? What is the soul's intent? 
Mm. And I don't know, you know, Chiron, one of the intents of Chiron, there are many, but one of them is humility. Mm. And just keeping you, you know, there's a vulnerability that you get when you get worked on by Chiron that like, doesn't, it feels mean, like cruel. (laughs) It feels like the universe is just being, beating on you, mash, 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 you know, like, and it doesn't feel fair. But when you stand back, you can appreciate that there is a, there is something beautiful about vulnerability. Mm. And if nothing else, it makes you more accessible. Yeah. To people, you know, cause you're not have it all together. You know, we've talked about this, like culture of celebrity that we have and of mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the perfect life and everything. And then people feel so bad about themselves. Mm. You know, there's, there's all the people who are playing to win in that. And then all the people who are watching and going, my life isn't like that. And then the ones who are like really feeling bad about it, you know, they become the school shooters. Mm. I, I haven't seen a single case of a school shooter who had a girlfriend and had a social life, you know, they're all like lonely men, you know? Mm. And I I had this funny thought of like, we should get a crew together, like go on a mission to like rescue all the lonely men. Oh God. Not me, too old. Like I'm not signing up for that one. But it, the service to society, you know. Anyway, no, there, there's more. There's there's different things we could that we can do. <laughs> about the lonely men. Oh, I don't know. Those are the you know. It's like the weakest among us. That is, we are. The fate of the least among you is my fate. You know, like those are the the terrorist bombers you know and I don't know it's it's a way to think about it so I just had one more thing I wanted to add about Chiron and that is that it is not just about vulnerability and suffering from a an an incurable wound or illness or whatever It's not just about like being broken down. There is an element of mastery involved. And you do though, first have to surrender. Um, It is one of the underworld archetypes together with Pluto. Um, It requires that you surrender. Um, But in this case, uh, so the myth of Chiron, which is sort of the foundation for the understanding of this archetype. In that myth, Chiron is the master centaur and teacher of all the Greek, uh, the great Greek heroes. He's a warrior, but he's also a scholar and a master of the healing arts and philosophy. And, you know, kings send their sons to him and he makes them into, um, you know, worthy of kingship. And he is, he is immortal. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. He's immortal because he's half, um, 
he's half uh, God, half man, half, anyway, he's, he's a man on the top and a horse on the bottom. Oh God, I'm so bad at this sometimes. Anyway, he, um, he gets wounded and there's an accident and he gets shot with a poison arrow. And he has no um, cure for the poison in this arrow, but it causes excruciating pain. Um, and he can't, he can't cure himself, but he also, because he's immortal, he can't die. So he's stuck in excruciating agony. Um, so, but he's, he's, you know, he's a master um, and he figures out a solution. And the solution is he goes to the gods and he says, look, I will, let me, I will give you my immortality. And in, in exchange, I ask you to free Prometheus. So Prometheus was punished for bringing fire from the gods to humanity, higher technology. And he was chained to a rock and he had his liver eaten out every day by an eagle. And, and then every night it grew back. And, and then every day, you know, the eagle came back and ate out his liver again. And <laughs> so he had to, you know, it was like an eternity of torture and suffering for him as well. And so the gods, you know, they loved Chiron. And so they agreed to this fair trade <laughs> and they knew, you know, what they were allowing him. Um, and so they took his immortality, which allowed him to die. And so it released him from his suffering. They, they freed Prometheus. So they kind of um, released, you know, higher technology in a way to humanity. Um, so there's like, there is a, there are several gains, multiple gains in this story. And then um, they took Chiron's body and they placed it into the sky as the constellation Cantaris. And they brought him to live with the gods on Mount Olympus. So this kind of, you know, it sort of brings us full circle back to Mount Olympus in Seattle and the hope that with the, the, the sacred wound when you are working with the sacred wound as a central feature of your life story, that there is hope, but that first you have to surrender to something that you can't fix. And that from there, and you have to think in a bigger way. Um, you have to grow beyond yourself and your solution will come at a higher level of consciousness.